Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring My Trustmark online and mobile banking. Monitor accounts and information, transfer funds, create special alerts and reminders. Details at Trustmark.com. Member FDIC. Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, August 21st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippians are gearing up for a rare occurrence today. Excitement and preparations for the first solar eclipse across the U.S. in 99 years. In our Everyday Tech segment, find out the latest in automobile technology. And the U.S. Librarian of Congress making a visit to the state. Congressman Greg Harper says it's an honor for Mississippians. What an honor to have Dr. Carla Hayden, the Librarian of Congress, here to watch her work uh, with uh, children from the Mississippi School for the Deaf and to see her heart. I mean, Dr. Hayden is, is truly a, a rock star. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today, Mississippians will be able to view partial coverage of the solar eclipse. It's the first such event in about 100 years. Tennessee and Georgia are the closest states that will see the eclipse in totality. Some state residents are traveling out of town to get a better view. Ella Embry is a student at the University of Southern Mississippi. She'll be traveling to Georgia to see the total eclipse. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware she's excited about her plans. We're going to drive up to Clayton, Georgia, which is right in the path of totality. And we're going to see the eclipse. It's going to be awesome. And then we're going to drive all the way back to Hattiesburg that night for classes on Tuesday. So why did y'all decide Georgia? My best friend worked at a um, campsite in Georgia. So she knows the people there. She knows the area there. And we figured, why not? What are you looking forward to seeing the total eclipse? It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, it's over the continental U.S., and it hasn't been over the continental U.S. in, I think, over 30 years. So that's incredible. And I've heard a lot of, like, testimonies, and I've seen TED Talks about just how powerful it is to see the sun blocked out by the moon in a way. I'm so excited. I think it's going to be incredible. I'm just so excited. I'm just really pumped. Because I've heard it's it's amazing and it's life-changing and you get to feel how close you are to this bigger picture. What have you been doing to prepare? I, I know that there's like a lot of safety requirements involved when going to see it. Yeah, well, we have hiking gear and we have eclipse glasses. Just got those to make sure that we can watch it safely without hurting our eyes or anything like that. And we've made all the preparations for hotel rooms and gas, and uh, we have a working car, so we're ready. So you say hiking boots. Or will you be going to see it from a closer vantage point, like somewhere higher up? We're hoping to go hiking through the um, state park that she worked at. Where did you get the glasses to make sure that they meet standard safety requirements? Actually, a good friend of mine bought them offline, and he read into them to make sure that they were standard safety issue and all that jazz. And uh, it came in a pack of, like, 10, I think. He got a big pack because we were going to go together, but then his group got so large and my group got so large, we decided to break off and go to two different cities. So we had a pack of about 10 with about eight of us going in total, and there was just too many for one car. So he split them with me. What do you hope this experience is like and you can hold on to moving forward in your life? I really hope that this is as 
amazing and awe-striking as I've heard it's going to be. I hope that I come away with this with a greater sense of closeness to the people around me and to humanity and the world in general as we get to see this amazing cosmic event that's happening on Monday. What do you say to people on this upcoming eclipse event and how, what should they be doing? I think people should go out and see it. I mean, it's only going to last about um, two minutes, maybe two and a half minutes. So it's going to be super short because, again, there's not another one until 2048 or something like that. It's, we've got a while until the next one that we are going to be able to see. And even a partial eclipse would be just incredible to view firsthand. Ella Embry, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. The Mississippi State Department of Health says looking directly at the eclipse can cause retinal burns even if there's no pain. This can cause temporary or permanent eye damage. Even though only about 85% of the sun will be covered during the solar eclipse in Mississippi, experts say residents need protection to look directly at the event. Andrea Falsetto is education coordinator with the Mississippi of Natural Science Museum. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware more about careful view Mississippi will be, or the Jackson area, will be about 86% totality. Up in Tennessee, around Nashville, there will be 100% totality. So the further north in Mississippi the viewers are, the closer and the more of the sun will be blocked out. And then the further south, the totality will be a little bit under 86%. So basically what happens is that the moon passes between the sun and the earth, temporarily blocking the sun. And why is this such a phenomenon? It is very rare. It doesn't happen very often. The last total solar eclipse over the United States was almost 40 years ago. And there have been some partial ones since then, but this is the first time in quite a while the majority of the country is going to get to experience it. So for people who are wanting to see it, how can they get the best vantage point? All you have to do is go outside and if you've got protective eyewear with the eclipse glasses that were marketed specifically for that, you can look up. If not, there are ways to do it through a pinhole viewer. You can make one out of a cereal box, or even if you wrap a pair of binoculars a certain way and project it down onto a piece of paper on the ground, you can watch the eclipse that way. You can look through the trees and let the tree leaves filter the light down and project it onto the ground, and there's even a way where you can face away from the sun and put your fingers up and kind of do a projection that way. So with the projection, is it a shadow that you would be seeing? Yeah, it's um, filtering it so you're not looking directly through, but then it's projected onto the ground. So you'd be looking at what the eclipse and what the sun looks like then. You could see that most of it is covered and there's just a little sliver left. But yeah, you'd be looking at it on the ground or some other projection. How can you determine if the glasses that you're using are indeed actually safe? They should be ISO certified. And I know that there were some counterfeit glasses that said they were ISO certified on Amazon. And so viewers would just want to read and make sure the counterfeit ones had a lot of spelling mistakes. So make sure there aren't spelling mistakes. And they can probably look at the Internet. There should be pictures comparing them by now. But to make sure that they definitely are ISO certified, ours came from eclipseglasses.com, and it was a NASA vendor. And there's also a live stream that we'll be broadcasting, and they could even watch at their homes if they wanted to. Would it be possible to see the eclipse through inside of a building looking through a window or something? 
you could, you're st- it's still not going to be super safe. Like, you know, even when you look through a window and stare at the sun, it still kind of hurts your eyes. If people are traveling and they go to somewhere like Tennessee where the moon will be completely covering the sun, is it safe then to look directly at it? There is a period if you're in an area of 100% totality where there are a couple minutes that you could take off your glasses and view it. In the Jackson area and Mississippi, we will not be at 100% totality, so that is never safe to do. People should have the glasses on the entire time or some other protector if they are looking at the sun and not using a pinhole viewer. What are your thoughts on the experience? Should everyone try to see this? Is this like a a once-in-a-lifetime experience that people should really try to experience? Yes, and definitely try to at least get outside. NASA is recommending if you're close to totality to drive to totality. So they said from here, you know, if you want to drive, go to Memphis. If you're in Memphis, go a little further and get into the area of Kentucky and Tennessee where it'll be. It's going to be a really great event. And so even if you just can take five minutes from your work day and walk outside to look at it, it's going to be a good experience. So for people who haven't been able to get their glasses yet, where might they still be able to find some? As far as I know, there is no local site selling glasses anymore. We do have 500 pairs available at our event beginning at 10 a.m. where guests that are coming to our event can get a pair of glasses to enjoy the event with us and get to watch it safely. We've got a lot of eclipse-related activities. We're going to have the Russell Davis Planetarium here. NOAA is going to be here. We have a local mobile weather lab coming. A radio station will be broadcasting live for an hour. We are going to have lunch on site. So we've got a lot of fun activities for everyone to come out and enjoy. And we do have 500 glasses available. Andrea Falsetta is the Education Director at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Yes, of course. Forecasters say the eclipse will begin activity at about noon today with a peak at 1.26 p.m. Coming up, the nation's 14th Librarian of Congress is promoting literacy in Mississippi. More after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Music radio is classical music, but much more. You can hear jazz, folk and bluegrass, and of course, Mississippi's own, the blues. And music is featured on shows like A Prairie Home Companion and the Mississippi Arts Hour. Access music radio online at mpbonline.org, via the MPB app, or with an HD radio receiver. Music all day, every day, on MPB's Music Radio. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wilkes Couture, and today we're discussing automobile technology. So, Wilkes, we're talking about automobile technology. So how has technology affected our morning commute today? Well, we talked quite a bit before about the smart home, but what we're really ending up with now is the smart car. We've got cars that are able to see behind us. We've got cars that can tell when there's somebody sitting in our blind spot. We have cars that can tell us when we're going just a little bit too fast or maybe we're braking too harshly. So we got cars telling us a lot about our driving habits instead of just the people driving beside us um, using their horn to tell us the same thing. All cars manufactured now actually have full-blown computers inside them to monitor all of these things. Do all cars have this technology? They do. They're using it for a lot of things such as emissions control and, you know, controlling fuel economy and 
and managing it. You know, I'd almost argue that cars have almost gotten, in some regards, too smart for their own good. Do you like the way technology is going? Well, you know, personally, I like the assistance. I, I, I get a little hesitant when it comes to a vehicle or something else taking over for me. You know, we've all seen some of the news about you know, the self-driving cars and and some of this. You know, even as a technology guy, that still gives me some hesitations. But but I do like the assistance. I mean, you know, it, it'd be hard, hard to argue against any kind of tool that can enhance and make us safer. But I, uh, we still need to be paying attention when we're behind the wheel. That That's ultimately our responsibility when we're driving. You can go to your local store, and there are add-on cameras. And actually, they attach to where your license plate goes. Uh, every now and then, going down the road, you may see kind of like what like looks like a black bar and a camera across the top of someone's car tag. And what that actually is, that is a rear camera that's been added to a car that didn't have it. Those will typically either come with a screen that will go on your dash, or it may even be a small segment of your rearview mirror. Kind of off to the side will be a little screen into it to allow you to see back there. So this is not just for newer cars. Older cars can have it as well. Now, um, tell me about some of these safety settings for teens. Oh, this has been a big thing in our household. I have a 16-year-old son, just started driving out there a lot. We've actually connected a device working with the insurance company. It's connected to what's called the OBD2 or the Onboard Diagnostics 2 port. Some of y'all may have seen where they'll connect, the car dealerships will connect there. That's, how, that's actually the interface into the computer. And what this does is it links via Bluetooth to an app on not only his phone but mine and his mother's phone that allows us to see some of his driving habits such as if he exceeds certain speeds, if he brakes too rapidly or accelerates too rapidly. And it allows us to see it, allows him to see it. And with the insurance company, they actually kind of reward him for driving safely. So it's it's really doing a great job of instilling good habits. So where, where do you see technology going in the future for cars? Oh, we're already seeing the self-driving cars out there. There's been a lot of press on that. I think we're going to start seeing maybe some things such as your what they call the heads-up displays. You'll actually start seeing displays in front of you. You know, kind of as you're looking at the road, you can actually see your speed and some of these things. I think they'll do a lot of that. A lot of the safety avoidance features, I start seeing a lot more of that coming out there as well. People talking about if it sees you getting close to an accident, maybe you're starting to change into a lane that it will actually prevent your car from going over if someone's in your blind spot. So I see a lot more of that detection technology coming in. So, Wilts, with all this technology we have today, where do you see technology going in the future for cars? Well, I think that we'll continue along the safety route with a lot of this. I think that seems to be the feature that a lot of folks want. I mean, we've pretty much excelled with our airbags and our seatbelt technology. That's there. So now what we're seeing a lot of newer cars emerge with are things like crash avoidance systems. You know, some of us have probably seen those commercials where maybe you're not quite paying attention, you're getting a little bit too close to the car in front of you, and the car will actually activate the brakes on your behalf. I think we'll start seeing these options become more standard much like what we saw as me and you were growing up, Michelle, and that was instead of the, the shoulder strap seat belt or the airbag being an option, they're now standards. Again, you wouldn't buy a car without one, so I think we'll see a lot of these safety features become more standard features. We will talk more about automobile technology on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can always send us an email at everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition.
One day, one drive, one goal, $150,000. Because of you, listeners of MPB hear quality radio programs that both inform and entertain. Because of your financial support, we've been able to provide Mississippians with unique programs that can't be heard anywhere else. This Friday, we take on our biggest challenge yet. One day, one drive, one goal, $150,000. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi librarians experienced a rare opportunity to meet the nation's librarian of Congress. Dr. Carla Hayden kicked off the Mississippi Book Festival at the state capitol this weekend. Republican Congressman Greg Harper extended the invitation. Hayden also spent some time with librarians at the Mississippi Library Commission and read to students from the state school for the deaf. She's encouraging Mississippi librarians to take advantage of resources at the Library of Congress and to consider the nation's library as a partner. The 65-year-old is the 14th librarian of Congress. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier reading should not be a chore. I think it's important for the people of the state of Mississippi to realize that there is a commitment to literacy and to unlocking the key to literacy that is the joy of reading, not just a chore or something you have to do, but the Reading is fun, so having a book festival and having it on a Saturday and having activities really shows that we're trying to, all of us, make reading something that's fundamental. What made you decide to come to Mississippi? I decided to come to Mississippi after I received a very generous uh, invitation to be part of the Mississippi book festival that is connected to the National Book Festival that the Library of Congress uh, has, and also at the personal invitation, though, of Chairman Harper, who is the chairperson of the committee that oversees the Library of Congress. And it was a wonderful opportunity to be in a state that has wonderful authors, as well as a rich history uh, that connects to the Library of Congress, in fact. Do you have any connections to the state at all? I have a very personal connection to the state. My mother's grandmother, who raised her, uh, was born in Kent, Mississippi, and she talks fondly about her. And so I really wanted to be part of the festival on a more personal level as well. And you also had an opportunity to uh, read to children. The opportunity to read with children, and I'm saying with because they were participating uh, with children from the Mississippi School for the Deaf. The Library of Congress has services for the blind and physically handicapped, and so we have a great connection with institutions that are serving people with challenges. And the delightful children that helped me with the story were real examples, I think, of the magic of books and reading and how children with all types of abilities can enjoy books. When you think about your 
rise to this position. You are what Congressman Harper referred to as a rock star. Well, when you look at what the Mississippi Library Commission has done, if anyone gets a chance to visit the state library, that's one of the, I have to say, one of the most beautiful uh, state libraries in the country, and the rich literary history of Mississippi, they'll understand, I think, why the library community is so strong in this state. There were representatives today from library systems throughout the state that were here for the book festival, here to celebrate libraries and to welcome me. And I think that the people of the state should be very gratified by their library community. What did you want to get across to them? What did you want to leave them with? The main thing I wanted to assure the Mississippi library community of is that the Library of Congress is their library too. It's the nation's library, it's America's library, and we are available to present traveling exhibits, to have surplus book programs, to do live streaming of authors from D.C., live from the Library of Congress, that's what we're going to call it, um, to local libraries, and that they can consider us a partner. You shared a lot of stories, Smokey Robinson, Tony Bennett. I mean, just a plethora of stories. Your job has really put you in so many amazing places. Being librarian of Congress and being one of the stewards of the world's largest library that has the largest collection of comic books, the opportunity to have a national registry of sound recordings and films that has just about everything you could imagine in terms of history and culture is, I think, a privilege and an honor. But it's also something I want to share with everyone. So I get pretty excited about being a librarian of Congress. Moving forward, what is your vision for uh, the library as you proceed? My vision, and it's wonderful to have it shared with so many people who are dedicated working at the Library of Congress and have been for years, is to share the treasures of the Library of Congress with as many people as possible, no matter their age or where they're located, what some restrictions they might have in terms of assessing materials. And so we are ambitiously going forward to use the tools of today to help people connect with the past. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. Hayden is the first woman and African-American to serve as the Librarian of Congress. Librarians from across the state packed a hall to meet with her. Ariane Michelle Rouser is an auditor with the State Library Commission. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier she's thrilled Hayden came to Mississippi. I could not miss this opportunity in history to witness basically walking history, the first African-American, the first woman, and only the 14th librarian of Congress here in our home state. So it was just an honor just to be in the same building with her. What did you think about the discussions that you had? It was basically breathtaking just to listen, just to be in the room with her and to hear all of her stories and the things that she's doing in Congress and working with to ensure that the libraries are basically alive in the new world of technology that's rapidly growing, just keeping that solidified foundation for our future generations to come. What stood out for you? Well, actually, it wasn't really a question. It's just where she was going with the Curious George collection happening in D.C. I grew up with Curious George. I'm only 29, so I feel like the generations after me will have this piece 
to carry with them and pass on traditions to their children as well. Looking ahead, what really interested you about where she's taking the Library of Congress? It seems like coming from one administration to another, it seems like she's continuing on the same path regardless of party or affiliation. She's staying true to her core values from where she first initially um, was initiated into Congress until now. So I'm very impressed. I'm very supportive, and I look forward to see what she does next. To see other generations get inspired by her, that just really touches my heart. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Join us tomorrow at 8.30. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays are credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com, member FDIC.